Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we are lathering up with Caroline Homlish, SVP at Supergoop, and Heather Doherty, VP of Customer Success at Lexer, about maximizing the value of your customer data. Supergoop is a leader in the SPF sunscreen category and is scaling its 40-item product catalog across D2C and retail in true omni-channel fashion. That's where Lexer comes in, helping Caroline identify and scale the most profitable customer journeys across Supergoop's many touchpoints. In this podcast, you'll hear all about how Supergoop is using zero, first, and third-party data, including an interesting piece about finding your most affluent customers with Experian data that is super relevant ahead of a perpetually looming recession. I hope you like this one. On with the show. There is the danger of over-segmenting. You know, that's definitely a resource drain. You want to be really focused and targeted, but you don't want to get too crazy where you're almost segmenting yourself out of various opportunities. People are creatures of habit. They buy the same things over and over. You can really make a difference by hitting kind of the top share of products or product categories, and then maybe bucketing some of the other ones that are less prevalent. We can be really meaningful and build journeys that are going to hit on the key products and product categories and keep it in a manageable number because, yeah, hundreds of journeys would be not really that effective. Caroline, Heather, welcome to the D2C podcast. I'm super happy to have you here. Caroline, let's start with you. Supergoop is just massive. It's got to be one of the biggest brands that we've had on the D2C podcast. How do you describe the growth journey that you've been on with it? Um, well, for those who don't know Supergoop, we're a mission-driven, protective skincare brand founded by Holly Farrard in 2005. She's our sunscreen queen, and we are all SBF all the time, every single day. Um, our goal has really been to change the way the world thinks about sunscreen, dispelling myths that doesn't feel good to wear. And we really encourage everyone everywhere to wear it every single day. And, you know, the growth has really been we started out creating a category for SPF and now we're really leading it. So, um, you know, we've grown exponentially in the time that I've been with the company. I started in 2019, been leading uh, the supergoop.com business, but we've really seen the whole business boom in our wholesale accounts as well. You know, we're a huge brand at Sephora. We launched an Ulta this year. We've got a strong business in Amazon as well as um, independent retailers. And, and we're really leading that SPF category um, and seeing the brand awareness grow search demand for our brand grow and really seeing the whole category grow, which is what we want to see happen um, because we really believe in the importance of wearing sunscreen every day. So I've actually, I, I don't know what SPF stands for. I always just like to learn new acronyms. Is sunscreen just one piece of the SPF broader category? Um, SPF is just a sun protection factor. Sun protection factor. Okay. So it basically is all kinds of sunscreen. Yeah, exactly. So okay, SPF cool. 30, SPF 50, et cetera. Yeah. My main question is, do kids like putting it on anymore? Because that's one of the hardest things about sunscreen is getting it on your child. Yeah, we have some formats that kids really love. We have a, a mousse that kids really love. It kind of you know feels like a shaving cream and they love the texture and they love playing with it. And we actually have a, a children-specific uh, line called Sunny Screen, which is super gentle and mineral. And it comes in a stick and a spray and a lotion. And they love the stick especially. Yeah, I, I, I imagine the stick just because it's a little, little more, more easy to handle. They love it. I'm going to have to try that. A little less goopy. Mm-hmm. And, and really our, our play category, um, which is our body sunscreen, 
is really, it's not icky. It's not sticky. It smells great. It, it goes on really smoothly. Um, and that comes both in a lotion and a spray mist, which is super easy with kids and adults. <laughs> and so about how many products does Supergoop have now? Uh, 40 plus. It's something for everyone. Very cool. And you're very omni-channel, I imagine, as well. I imagine you've just, at the, at the scale you're at, you, as you mentioned, like huge retail, huge wholesale. Is D2C a big part of the business as well? Yeah. Uh, so supergoop.com is a very significant piece of our business and really started growing significantly during the pandemic when we were the one of the only stores open and, and have really kept that share of the business. Very cool. So at what point did you start looking for a CDP? What was the problem you were trying to solve when you're like, okay, I need to get on a customer data platform? Yeah. I mean, we had been, you know, doing, working with a, a CRM partner where we had some insights. Um, but what's really exciting about a CDP and, and Heather, please jump in because you're the CDP expert here, is really about um, connecting all of your various data sources in one place and being able to push and pull data between. Um, so really being able to not only have a platform that could help us understand who our customers were, but also create segments, um, create groups and, you know, push them through to our email, to our SMS, to our paid media, and also pulling data back in. But I also kick it over to Heather because she can probably explain a CDP way better than I can, but that's how we use it as a business. I mean, I think you did a great job um, that, you know, and Caroline hit on one of the most important points, which is really taking a lot of different data that tends to be siloed and bringing it into that one unified view of the customers so that that way you can take all sorts of different inputs and data that you know about them and be able to see that in one place and, and actually act on it, you know, from that one place as well. I'm trying to, so I've never actually seen a CDP. I've never been sort of in the cockpit. Caroline, where does the rubber meet the road? How are these insights and, and these connections surface to you sort of or your team on a daily basis or weekly, monthly basis? Yeah, I think what's great about um, having a CDP and having a user-friendly CDP like uh, the one that Lexer provides is, one, we can get insights from their team, meet with them regularly. But secondly, we're able to go in there and glean our own insights. It's very user-friendly, so we can dig into a specific product, who's buying it, how often they are buying it, um, what else are they buying, um, time between purchases. Um, but we could also dig into a group of customers and understand it that way as well. So I think what's great about it is that I always joke, I'm, I know enough I'm there to be dangerous, um, but I have a really smart team who knows enough to be really effective and efficient. Um, but even I can go in, at, you know, as someone who manages the overall business and, and not just CRM and, and customer insights, if I want to quickly pull something, it, it's pretty easy to do so. And I imagine from your side, Heather, working with a brand like Supergoop is awesome. Are, how does that actually work? Do you have weekly meetings hands-on with sort of account managers that, that help you sort of glean the insights and, and act on them? Yeah. So we, you know, we have a, I run the success team here at Lexer in the U.S. And so, you know, we have success directors that are not only focused on, you know, the CDP, but also have backgrounds in marketing and strategy so that, you know, when we do have biweekly meetings or, you know, whatever cadence each of our clients have, you know, we can not only dig into the data, but really help to focus on like, what should we do next? What are the right channels that we should be activating on? And so, you know, we try to definitely differentiate ourselves by going beyond account management and really trying to help find opportunities, you know, to reach the customers for our clients. 
I feel like, you know, one of the biggest challenges in e-commerce is getting people, obviously, you know, to make that first purchase. You want you want them to be able to make the first purchase. You got to sometimes you got to acquire users through ads. But really, it's whether your business lives or dies in some ways is whether they make that second purchase and beyond. And then you obviously want LTV and ongoing purchases. But I'm just curious in your time kind of working together, what are some of the insights or some of the, the levers you've been able to pull to increase that second purchase? I mean, for us, I think it really depends on the on the customer. And what's interesting about our business is, understandably, if you think about sunscreen, we have a different annual life cycle than maybe a more traditional brand that I've experienced in the past where you, you know, you're banking on everything happening in holiday. Our holiday really happens in the summer. So it's kind of looking at a couple of different stuff, different ways. You know, is it the replenishment of a face product that someone truly is using every single day? And we know that's part of their beauty routine in the morning. Is it a mom buying for a family and we want her to get her to come back and stock up every summer or stock up twice a summer for her family and ideally getting her second purchase also to be maybe a self-purchase where it is, you know, more of a, a beauty fo- focused product. So we really use our CDP and use Lexer to understand, you know, if you come in through one product, what's your most likely next purchase? And is it going to another category? Is it a replenishment? And looking at those customers differently and speaking to them differently, creating you know personalized journeys depending on on how you came in. How many personalized journeys would you like? Are there literally with all the options, you know, hundreds of different personalized journeys when it comes to the segmentation? I mean, how dangerous could you be if you got into your your email program? And you know, I think I think it, it it can get too crazy. So if you have hundreds, you, you might not be as effective as being really really thoughtful about how you're building out those journeys, looking at your, you know, hero skews that are driving the majority of the business um, is a great way to start. Totally. Heather, what do you have to say about the segmenting versus over-segmenting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like there is the danger of over-segmenting, which can, you know, that's definitely a resource drain. And and to Caroline's point, you know, you want to be really focused and targeted, but yeah, you don't want to get too crazy where it's just like, you're almost segmenting yourself out of various opportunities. And one of the most interesting things that I see time and time again across a lot of our clients is people are creatures of habits. They buy the same things over and over. So, you know, you can really, you know, make a difference by hitting kind of the top, you know, the top share of of products or product categories, and then maybe bucketing some of the other ones that are are less prevalent. And so there's definitely tactics that you can employ where we can be really meaningful and build journeys that are going to hit on the key products and product categories. And then, you know, and keep it in a manageable, a manageable number for, you know, for the email or retention manager, because yeah, hundreds of journeys would be quite a nightmare to manage, I think, and probably not really that effective. And to optimize as well. Yeah. And I've even, I've even gone in, you know, in past lives and and pulled back the number of journeys, because if you look at which ones are making money and which ones aren't, maybe some are more effective than others. It's it's also a helpful thing to do if you're looking at an existing program is, you know, what's what's driving revenue, what's maybe not and why. Caroline, you alluded to it earlier, but Supergoop is a little bit of a seasonal business with the, the summer being a lot more prevalent in the uh, Northern Hemisphere in the in the summer only. I'm interested in journeys that you're, I bet you're using education and content to try to make SPF category a bit more year, year round. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah, I mean, we do have a very strong year-round business. Um, don't get me wrong, but there is obviously a peak that comes in the summer. So, for example, now we're in the fall and we're really speaking heavily to um, the importance of wearing SPF every single day, our face products. Um, we have a lot of skincare products, moisturizing, beauty skews that are really can become part of your every everyday routine. You're obviously, you know, potentially selling more head-to-toe body skews when people are out and about in the sunshine. Um, but just because you're wearing a sweater doesn't mean that, you know, your face shouldn't be covered. We have a hand cream you can be using, you know, making sure that we're educating people truly on the importance of, of, of wearing sunscreen every single day. And, and you know, it, the brand was started by Holly, you know, coming out of having an experience with someone close to her having skin cancer and wanting to make sure that, you know, sunscreen is something that people want to put on every single day and enjoy putting on every single day. And we have so many different formats you know, everything from an eyeshadow to a lip balm, to a moisturizer, to a face oil, you know, to a vitamin C serum that all, you know, have SPF in them to to make it easy for you to find the best way to wear it every day. With a business that has so much retail and wholesale, is there a way that that data gets integrated into the sort of CDP experience as well? Currently, the CDP is our first party uh, DTC data at this time. So supergoop.com, which is, you know, a huge piece of our business. And we can leverage those insights to share back with our partners, you know, wholesale selling partners and and our sales team. So we use it to really um, educate the rest of the organization about what we learn about what's happening on our channel specifically. But Heather can probably speak to how that might work with other clients. We we don't have standalone stores. So in terms of our direct-to-consumer right now, it's only online. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a lot of other clients that also have wholesale businesses and, and selling other channels. You know, Amazon is a big one for some of our other, other clients as well. And so, you know, in some cases we can do some analysis where we look at the difference in customers across different channels. You know, naturally it's going to vary in terms of that partner and, you know, what data they want to share and, you know, kind of let them look at. But wherever we can, you know, we really try to help the customer, you know, help our clients understand their customers and and where they want to be shopping and, and why. And, you know, it's also can be a really good opportunity for for zero party data or, you know, running a survey for your customers to help understand, you know, where are they shopping? Where did they learn about the brand? You know, kind of uh, helping to, to know some of those types of things, you know, are you shopping on Amazon because of free shipping or fast shipping with prime and trying to really get at some of the behavior and intent that you can really only get from asking the customer as well. So we leverage zero party data quite a bit as well in, in those use cases. Carolyn, what's the most interesting thing you've learned about your customer base by sort of having the CDP in place and having that sort of that data-based mindset? I think what's been really interesting is that um, Lexer overlays Experian data. And, and Heather, you can probably explain that a little bit better than I can. So then I can explain how, how we're using it. Yeah, so we partner with Experian to license um, their syndicated segmentation that's called Mosaic. And so basically what Experian does is they look at the individuals in the U.S. and they use different variables like household income, presence of children, uh, you know, all sorts of different inputs to create segments that help describe 
the people in the U.S. that we can then overlay. So, you know, there's like 19 different groups as an example. And so they're ranked in terms of affluence. And so that way you can understand from from kind of that perspective in terms of, you know, who are your customers? Are they singles? Are they empty nesters? Are they families? You know, are they really affluent? And so that's something that is becoming more and more important right now, especially kind of in the, you know, economic environment that we're in with like recession kind of continuing to loom and, you know, rising costs, you know, kind of squeezing wallets is, you know, understanding who are your customers and which ones may be having a harder time of it right now. And then which ones actually will probably have the discretionary income that, you know, you can focus in on. So, you know, experience been a great, a great tool for our clients to really help understand their customers more deeply. What's helpful for us is it helps us know we can dig into not only what products our most valuable customers purchase, but who they are, where they are, and sort of where they are in age and stage, and understanding how we can grow with them throughout their lives. Being able to see who's buying what is really helpful for us. And, And what's great about sunscreen is that everyone needs it and everyone can use it. So thinking about how can we bring them along with us, um, you know, maybe they're buying one of our more beauty focused SKUs now and they start a family and they, you know, buy our kids sunscreen later and really bringing them along the journey with us. And knowing that SPF is, you know, whether you're a man, a woman, family, single, young, old, you know, we can figure out a way to speak to you based on who you are. And, and it allows us to see that, which is great. And it's informing both your marketing, uh, probably as well as your product development and your product roadmap is like, what what product do you need to continue to make to stay in the life cycle of, of this evolving group? Yeah, and it helps us specifically if we're you know thinking about something we want to create exclusive for our website, knowing who who those people are and and what they might be interested in is especially helpful. I'm also just curious, just heading into Q4 here into Black Friday, are there any interesting things that you're excited about that you've, you know, that you've put together through the CDP, um, excited about for Q4 this year and, and Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Is it a thing in the, in the SP? It must be to some degree uh, in the SPF space as well. It is. It is. Um, you know, we do participate in Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but we like to say, you know, we, we do a sale um, usually in the summertime. That is is more of our Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And I I think some of the things that we've used um, data and segmentation for is really thinking about our email and SMS marketing during that time to our existing customers and making sure that our messaging reflects what we know that they've purchased in the past or they might want to purchase during that period. So I think that's something that's applicable and, you know, would would be used in Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And and we've seen with um, seen success. Um, during sort of our biggest promo period and our peak period during the year is like, you know, hey, we know you bought unseen sunscreen and we lead with that in the email. We lead with that in the um, subject line, knowing that like, hey, this is what they're probably coming to get. So why not say this is this is what we've got for you? How do you break down how you use email versus SMS in the customer experience? Is it sort of depending on what they sign up for, you get the bulk of it or is it more specified? Um, you know, email allows you to tell much deeper stories. You have a lot more space. You have a lot more real estate. You can, you know, have really beautiful creative visual assets in that space. So it it leans a little more storytelling. And email is more frequent. If you're signed up for our email and SMSs, you can see that, you know, you get a little deeper storytelling from that email experience. SMS, you know, SMS has become bigger and bigger and people are getting more and more SMSs. But I think that it has to be something really valuable that you're saying in an SMS. You may, you know, you don't, you 
may not necessarily give a roundup of our, you know, top five skincare SKUs in a in an SMS, but we will tell you there's something new. We've got a gift with purchase right now. This is something that you can't miss. It really is news um, and more newsworthy rather than sort of sending an SMS for the sake of sending an SMS because it is a more personal experience, I think, in your in your texts and your email inbox. And Heather, SMS fits seamlessly into the the CDP uh, customer journey uh, data as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have integrations with various SMS um, providers, and it really gives us a great opportunity to you know further help segment the customers because some of the things that we really do to help our clients be more efficient is understanding where to reach these different prospects or customers. And so being able to say, okay, there's this group that's not subscribed to email and SMS, let's push them into the paid channels. But now we know, you know, these are the ones that interact in our own channels. So how do we better message to them and and be more relevant in terms of the, you know, the messaging that we're giving them so that we're not just, you know, there's a lot of a lot of retailers out there that just kind of blast the same message to everybody, regardless of you know, what they know about them already. And so this is just another kind of tool in the, you know, in the, in the toolbox to help us further segment and, and make sure that we're being really relevant to the customer to help them avoid messaging fatigue. Caroline, I, I'm very curious as the head of D2C at Supergoop, what, if I gave you $50,000, a $50,000 D2C grant uh, to be used, let's say in Q4, uh, where would you put it into your budget to see the uh, biggest growth? I think right now we're really, really bullish on retention and CRM. So I would put it into something for our existing loyal customers, especially this time of year, Um, whether it's a surprise and delight program for top customers and loyalty members, um, doing something targeted or messaging inserts and packages during the holiday season, something to make them feel valued, make them feel special, make them feel nurtured would be where I would put it now. And as we think about, you know, we've been this massively growing brand and we, we've grown this customer base and a dollar invested in existing customers, you can, you can get a lot of bang for your buck versus out there prospecting. So I think that's where I would put it this time of year, especially. And uh, Heather, when it comes to this, the CDP space, it's probably rapidly evolving all the time. What are you sort of most excited about in, in your domain? You know, I think one of the the biggest key areas is really as we continue to move towards the cookie-less future, it really makes first-party data, you know, that much more important to fueling, you know, all of the marketing initiatives. And, you know, I had also mentioned earlier as well, like zero-party data to help understand the intent and preferences of your customers and prospects that's not available during you know, through purchasing or browsing behaviors even. So I think that really understanding what data you have and not relying on cookies any longer, I think is really going to be a big movement towards the future. And we're already really starting to see a lot of our clients act on that. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the D2C podcast today. If people in the audience are just thinking to themselves, okay, I've got all this siloed data. It's time to look at a CDP. Uh, You should go to lexer.io and check them out. Anything else to add, uh, Heather, on the uh, on, on how to get in touch? Yeah, I mean, I think the website is a great way. Um, you know, definitely follow us on LinkedIn and, and the socials. And yeah, we would love to speak to anyone that's interested. Nice. Caroline, I'm going to redouble my efforts to wear sunscreen um, <laughs> on a daily basis as I uh, need to. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming on today. This was fun. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks so much. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.